This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday the 26th of July and we start with tragic news that a 22-year-old man from Maidstone has died after being hit by the blade of a helicopter while on holiday in Greece. Jack Fenton was 22 and used to go to school at Sutton Valence. Well, Ish joins me now. Ish, what more do we know about what happened? Well, we understand Jack had just returned from Mykonos to Athens with a group of friends. Local media in Greece claims he was taking a selfie by the helicopter when he was struck by the rotor. We've also been told his parents were following in a separate helicopter which had to be rerouted and land elsewhere so they didn't see what had happened. And a police investigation is underway, is that right? Yes, essentially they're looking into why Jack was allowed to leave the aircraft while the blades were still spinning. Even after the engine is switched off, the propellers continue to rotate for about two minutes. It's understood the type of helicopter he was in doesn't lock from the inside, so the investigation will focus on safety measures taken by the pilot. The pilot and two officials have appeared before a prosecutor to testify over potential negligence charges. Jack's friends also gave statements before travelling back to the UK. Do we know much more about Jack? Well, as you say, he was 22 and went to Sutton Valence School before studying at Oxford Brooks. His dad, Miguel, is head of marketing and PR at the Hop Farm near Paddock Wood, and they've declined to comment. Thanks ever so much, Ish. Well, this is how the tragedy is being reported in Greece at the moment. <laughs> That's from ERT News, who are reporting that the three people arrested have now been released and an urgent preliminary investigation has been ordered. You can also read this story at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Police are hunting three people who were seen on a scooter following a suspected arson attack in Margate. A shed blaze spread to a block of flats on Tomlin Drive on Sunday evening. Two dogs were rescued by firefighters and several people were treated for the effects of breathing in smoke. Detectives are keen to speak to witnesses as part of their investigation. Now, police are investigating after two teenagers were attacked in an underpass in Ashford. They were confronted by a group of six or seven people between the railway station and designer outlet yesterday afternoon. It's the latest in a series of crimes in the underpass recently and bosses say they're working to install security lights and CCTV. Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner has set out changes he thinks should be made to help prevent violence against women and girls. Matthew Scott's published a report after speaking to victims about their experience with the justice system. He's announced a new prevention programme for schools and is calling for the court process to be made quicker and easier. He's been speaking to our colleagues at KMTV. Prevention is really important and it's important that we work with schools and young people and parents so that they can spot the signs of unhealthy relationships, unhealthy behaviours and try and stop these things from permeating from a very young age. And we will work with local charities and others to get those messages into schools through the, uh, the programme which I will put into place. It's important that we try and stop these things early rather than deal with them uh, because we know which age groups, we know which um, uh, age groups have been a problem historically and they are still a problem now. We need to make sure that young people know what is healthy, what is uh, responsible behaviour and that they can call it out when it's not. 
Now, people living in Dartford could be forced to pay £12.50 a day to travel into Greater London under plans to expand the ultra-low emission zone, or ULES. Now, lots of people living on the edge of Kent regularly travel into areas like Crayford or Bexley Heath for things like work, school or hospital appointments. But now, the Mayor of London, as we said, wants to expand a daily charge for polluting vehicles in a bid to cut air pollution across the whole of the capital. However, Dartford councillor Kelly Green is urging him to reconsider. Just because of, of the fact that we are a border town between Kent and London, our lives don't start and end at the border between Crayford and West Dartford. Um, many people in Dartford uh, work in Bexley Heath, work in the hospitals in, in Bexley Heath, Greenwich, Lewisham, those sort of areas. Um, and of course, have family and friends there. So the idea of, of paying to visit them when there isn't a viable alternative is is something that we we can't support. So I have written to the mayor of London and expressed our concerns with that. And although we are desperate, and I personally am desperate to see pollution levels in Dartford uh, cut, this this is kind of putting the cart before the horse. We need um, we need people to have other methods and ways of of getting to appointments. And indeed, actually, quite often people will have hospital appointments at Queen Mary's in Bexley Heath. And Bexley Heath residents will have appointments in Darren Valley Hospital. And quite often, buses just are not a realistic means of getting to those appointments. And as a Dartford resident yourself, and I imagine as a councillor, you know, you've spoken to a lot of people. And, you know, I know we've done stories in the past, people who maybe their children go to school in Crayford. They live in Dartford. And, and you know, it's do, do you think Sadiq Khan quite understands that situation? I think for people that live in other parts parts of London who live in sort of uh, parts where they've got the tube, it's really hard for them to understand the kind of life we live here where where not owning a car um, for a lot of people just, just isn't realistic. If I, if I lived in parts of London with the tube, I don't think I'd own a car because, you know, I'm very happy never to drive, never to sit in a traffic jam again. But they're not, they're, that's not realistic for a lot of people here. Indeed, the only way to get to work for a lot of people on time every day is is to drive um, and you're quite you're quite right lots of people now go to school um, out of borough quite often actually because people have moved from London to Dartford um, you know for, ver- for various reasons and have stayed at the school that they're already in because that's where their child's happy and so on so they're traveling for those reasons it isn't necessarily that people have chosen to go to school out of borough it's just the way life has kind of worked out so the thought of cost being associated to that as well um, are again, you know, is, is very difficult, particularly as so many people are struggling now with the cost of living. Um, we, we, you know, I'm supporting a number of, of residents that are really finding things very difficult. So really any costs we can keep down for people at the moment um, is, is, is got to be our priority. And the cost that you mentioned there as well, you know, buying a cleaner car is not cheap, is it? You know, most people can't really afford an electric car or a newer car that has lower emissions. Um, so is that, is that sort of part of the problem here? I think so. I think we will get to a point um, when I don't know. I'd like to think maybe five years, perhaps ten is more realistic, where where getting a, a, a better car, a greener car, is a viable option for people. But we're certainly not. We're certainly not there. Not there yet. And particularly for people that are doing jobs like working in the hospital, um, unfortunately, you know that we know there's been what is essentially a pay freeze for a number of years for a lot of people working, um, certainly in the public sector, but other sectors as well. Uh, Basically, people are getting poorer because the cost of living is going up so much and pay isn't reflecting those rises. Um, it's certainly not, not feasible for people to be buying new cars at this point.
So obviously we do need ways to tackle pollution. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, we're all keen to, to improve air quality. What would you suggest as a solution? Well, I think it's sort of ironic this is happening at the same time when a number of bus routes are being cut. And there's various reasons for that. Um, some of them are that they're not economical um, in a financial sense. But this is this is terrible news that a lot of the buses are being cut for a lot of people because they are reliant on those on those specific buses to get to work, to visit relatives um, and so on. Uh, so I, th- I think that, that this is completely at odds with everything we know about cut pollution. So I would like to see the bus services, um, well, one, not be cut, but two, to be a lot, a lot cheaper and a lot, a lot more reliable, which is difficult for us here in Dartford to run a reliable bus service because often the buses get stuck in the traffic with, with everybody else. So I think public transport absolutely has to be, has to be part of that, of that move. Um, there's been a lot of talk in Dartford about making cycling a more realistic proposal for people. And the, dif- the difficulty is, um, because the roads here are, are so busy and, and, and so built up, cycling doesn't feel safe, certainly doesn't feel safe for me, and I'm sure others feel the same. So uh, that's something we, we, I think, are starting to look at, is making cycling a more, a more viable option. But um, while public transport is not being is not being a solution in Kenya, you know, it's very difficult to see how public how air will get better. Transport for London say money made from the ULES charge will go towards improving the transport network and air quality. Quite a few of you have been having a say on Facebook about this one. David Billy Quinn says, I had to pay £12.50 the other month to go in it 100 yards and then back out again at 10 minutes later. This scheme most probably isn't even making a dent in the amount of emissions put out. Brian Watson has added, I feel sorry for any business within the proposed zone because I will not use them any longer if I have to pay £12.50. Pauline says it all depends on your car but I wouldn't pay extra. June Emery has said yet they're cutting public transport everywhere. What are people supposed to do? And finally Jade Mayhew has said talk about bad timing as if people aren't paying out enough in travel costs right now. Well you can read this story in full by heading to Kent Online. You can also head to our socials to have your say. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Southern Water has set up a community fund for Sheppey after thousands of homes were left without supplies. You may remember a pipe between the mainland and the island burst, causing major disruption a couple of weeks ago. Well, now the company is giving residents a chance to nominate a charity or community group to receive a donation. That will be alongside the compensation that they're also giving out. A burst water main, meantime, has been causing disruption to supplies in another part of Kent today. Broadock Road in Canterbury has been closed for repair work and South East Water has apologised to those affected. Elsewhere, some taps are running dry in Coxheath near Maidstone for a fourth day, but we're told supplies have now been restored to villages near Ashford, who had problems during the heatwave last week. The Archbishop of Canterbury has been forced to withdraw a motion asking other church leaders around the world to oppose same-sex marriage. Justin Welby has been criticised for making the suggestion to Anglican bishops who are in Canterbury for a major conference this week. Gay rights campaigners say they're shocked and dismayed. We're being urged to plan ahead of a rail strike affecting services in Kent tomorrow and only travel if it's essential. Members of the RMT union are walking out as part of an ongoing dispute around jobs, pay and working conditions. It means there'll be very limited southeastern services and those that do run will start later in the day and finish much earlier. 
I've been getting an update from Paul Dent-Jones, who's from Network Rail. First off, let me let me just apologise to all of our passengers. I'm really, really sorry for the disruption that you're going to experience this week, especially off the back of a heatwave. Um, I mean, we're, we're doing everything we can to keep some services running, um, but obviously we've got a lot of people out on strike. So we've, we've trained an extra 250 people to step into those really critical roles so that we can keep some services running. But even with their support, it's nowhere near the number of people that we need to run a normal railway. So we've had to prioritise the lines where we can move the most passengers with the limited resources available. And we have to take into account all kinds of considerations like whether that line serves a major hospital, uh, you know, the impact on the economy, whether it's used to to move really important food, fuel or, or, or goods. Um, but I think the message for passengers is, is you know, only travel if absolutely necessary. And, it, and if you can't, if you if you can't do that, if you really do have to travel, like if you're a key worker, say, um, just remember, check before you travel, um, check with nationalrail.co.uk or check with your train operator like Southeastern. But a really important thing to remember is that your last train on a strike day is going to be much, much earlier. You know, some train services will finish at about 4.30 p.m. So make sure that you don't get caught out. And even the days after the strikes, services are going to start later. So make sure that you check your trains the following morning too. Yeah, I think that's what we saw last time is that uh, very few services were running anyway. But those that were running for an awful lot of commuters started quite late on in the morning. And then, as you mentioned there, they finished so much earlier. So it got incredibly busy for everyone trying to get home all at once, which is something we don't tend to see. I mean, logistically, it sounds like an absolute nightmare to be able to try and mitigate as much of this as you can. I mean, that's the word. It is a nightmare. You know, we're, we're doing our best under very difficult circumstances. Um, and obviously, you know, we're we're urging the RMT to get back around the negotiating table. Can you just remind us why the RMT are, work, uh, are walking out? And in fact, what those workers do? Because you say there's an awful lot of stuff. What sort of roles do they do within the railway? Well, Nicola, there's so many different roles. Um, it would take me all day to, to list them. But, you know, these are critical frontline people that, that run the railway on a daily basis. Um, look, we... We want to give our people a pay rise. You know, we recognise that the cost of living is on the increase. Everything costs more these days. Um, and and we want to give our people a pay rise because they deserve one. You know, they've worked flat out through throughout COVID. But the challenge for us is that we're a taxpayer-funded organisation. and We've got to work out how to pay for it. So, you know, recently we tabled what we believe to be a good and affordable offer. So an 8% pay rise over two years, um, which includes all kinds of benefits and bonuses, 75% discounted rail travel for RMT members and their families, and the guarantee of no compulsory redundancy. So we think that's a fair and affordable offer. So it's really disappointing that the RMT's response to that was to simply announce more strike dates, which is going to cause more misery for our passengers. So, I mean, in a nutshell, the railway is funded by taxpayers and tickets. And, you know, taxpayers have already shelled out around £600 per household just throughout COVID to keep the industry afloat when no one was travelling. Passengers already pay enough for their fares, we think so, and we don't believe that they should pay any more. So really, it's down to us to, to get back around the negotiating table, work out what things we need to change, what outdated working practices that we, we can get rid of so that we can make the efficiencies we need, which will enable us to so not only run a safer and better railway for our passengers, but it will give us the money that we need 
to give our people a decent pay rise. We will, of course, be covering this story again for you throughout tomorrow. Train Drivers Union, ASLEF, have also announced a strike for this coming Saturday. Kent Online reports. Staying with the transport theme for a bit, and a leading tourism boss in Kent is calling for talks at the very highest level to sort out chronic travel problems in the county. Thousands of holidaymakers were stuck in hours of queues on Friday and over the weekend as they tried to leave via the port of Dover or Eurotunnel. That, in turn, had an impact on local visitor attractions right at the start of the school break, with some reporting a 50% reduction in footfall. Deirdre Wells is the chief exec of Visit Kent and says our brand is being severely affected. It's coming on the back of a tough couple of years as well. Um, we were all re- really hoping that this would be the year that, um, you know, the businesses will start to be able to get back on their feet. Um, you know, many of them had really... Uh, suffered during COVID with sort of 50, 60% um, losses. So um, this, you know, all the forecasts for this summer were, were very strong indeed. Um, I think, you know, and, and what I'm hearing from a number of our businesses is that again, this weekend, they were least losing 40, 50% of footfall because I think, you know, it's incredibly difficult and distressing for the people who are going abroad. But of course, you know, what effectively happens is, you know, the main arteries into Kent get completely gummed up. Um, it's very difficult for people to get around and do their daily business. It's all that local tra- travel, um, you know, is uh, is is challenging. But also, I think the perception of us as a county um, is is really difficult. Um, you know, we're doing all we can to promote the county and all the fantastic assets that it has, and the wonderful landscape and our coast and our heritage. Um, and if people are all they're seeing is Laurie Park, then that is really really difficult. I think the the important thing is that it gets resolved soon. Um, We all understand why it's happened. Um, It was an inevitable outcome from Brexit that, you know, you know, I saw this modelling four or five years ago. What what could happen if we ended up leaving with, um, you know, without free movement that, the inevitable checks with having a European frontier um, uh, being policed at the border in in uh, on our shores was, you know, it's inevitable. Um, but you know, we've got to get past this, and we've got to get um, a solution that works um, for our holidaymakers, whether they're going abroad, whether they're coming, you know, whether French people coming in, you know, we, we need we need this to be better, and not only in terms of. For Kent, but we've got to get this right for the UK. We need to have a a, a system at the port that is, um, you know, reflective of our position as a, a major economy in the world, and um, and we need to get people around the table to have a conversation about how how do we do that. We need a better relationship um, with our French counterparts. We need to be collaborative. We need to be constructive. I don't think pointing the finger helps anybody. Um, and yeah, because basically what we want to do is support businesses on both sides of the, of the channel. How concerned are you for the rest of the summer holidays? I mean, when you look at just the, the stretch of the M20 that was affected, you've got the magnificent Leeds Castle at one end, you've got Dover Castle at the other, and very few people in between not being able to get anywhere. Are you concerned that, as you say, we're doing a huge amount to promote the coast, but people are thinking, ah, do you know what? I don't want to get stuck in a traffic jam. I just won't bother. Yeah. Are you concerned that that attitude might get into people's heads? Yeah, I mean, we, it means we all have to work a lot harder to be able to encourage people, A, to travel in a different way. Um, so we're doing lots of work in terms of um, supporting people to travel, you know, encouraging people to travel by train. 
a little bit challenging this week with the strikes coming up. So um, you had to keep just keep on coming on that front. But, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, seriously, I mean, you know, we, we are, you know, very keen, particularly for people from London to travel by train. We've got fantastic connectivity. Um, and also, I think, you know, um, although sometimes on the news, it looks like every single road in Kent is blocked. That's not the case. There are lots of the county that's moving quite smoothly. But there are a couple of our big attractions, the sort of places that people want to go and travel to at the summer and have a great time that are particularly impacted. So, you know, um, am I optimistic that, the, you know, we've seen the worst of it? Not so much. I'm worried about what the, um, uh, the next few weeks are going to bring. Um, and I'm even more worried about what the impact will be for this time next year, because, you know, what we need is people to see Kent as a, a fantastic destination to visit, to drive through effectively, but also to stop and, and enjoy some time. So, you know, um, we have to deal what we've got to deal with at the moment, but, you know, I would be fully supportive of Kent County Council's appeal to government that, you know, this needs a, uh, a review by the National Infrastructure Commission. We need this sorted. A huge piece of equipment is going to be delivered to a power station in Dartford this weekend. The transformer is 58 metres long, which is about half the length of a football pitch. It'll go over the Dartford crossing on its way from Tilbury Docks to the Littlebrook site on Saturday evening as part of plans to replace the old substation. At Kent Online today, you can see a list of the 38 bus routes that are going to be cut across the county. The council's withdrawing funding for services to save money amid budget concerns. Many of the buses serve rural communities and are relied on by school children, commuters and elderly people. Kent Online reports. An award-winning restaurant in Canterbury is changing its name. The Ambrette on Beercart Lane will now be known as the Cook's Tale. They're hoping to get all their ingredients from within 30 minutes of the kitchen. Elsewhere, a pub in Dover has been shortlisted in this year's Great British Pub Awards. The White Horse is a finalist in the Pub of the Year category. Judges will visit over the summer and then the winners will be announced in October. Three new stores are set to open in shops that have been left empty in Tenterden. The former Laura Ashley has been vacant since shutting during the pandemic two years ago and will be filled by a charity which helps people with learning disabilities get into employment. A cafe and coffee shop are also opening while the town's Waitrose has undergone a £3 million revamp. Some good news for green spaces in Kent. Dozens of parks have been given prestigious green flags. Sites including Dunorland Park in Tunbridge Wells, Milton Creek near Sittingbourne and Capstan Country Park in Medway have passed the quality mark set by Keep Britain Tidy. Five parks have also been awarded Green Heritage Site accreditation for managing historical features. They include the Great Lines in Gillingham and Ore Gunpowder Works in Swale. You can check out our interactive map to find out which green flag parks there are near you by heading to the story at Kent Online. A statue of Dame Vera Lynn will no longer be built in Dover. Council bosses had been hoping to set it up as part of a memorial in honour of the force's sweetheart, but her family say they now want it to be set up elsewhere. And a Dover councillor has raised concerns about being turned into a TikTok parody if videos of council meetings are kept online. Susan Beer says recordings could be edited and manipulated on social media, but bosses have decided to carry on live streaming council meetings and keep them on their website for up to 30 days. 
Kent Online Sports. For Bull and Maidstone's Alessia Russo will be hoping to help England reach the final of the Women's Euros later. They take on Sweden in the semis after beating Spain last week. Russo played a key part assisting England's equaliser in that game. Raj Desi is from Gravesend's Punjab United, who are trying to set up more girls' teams. And he says the success of the Lionesses is creating a lot of interest. You can see more teams, you can see more people getting interested. And I think that's what it is now. You can say, look, my girl wants to play football. Have you got a team? Say, yes, we've got a place. So I think it's more accessible. It's, it's there for people to come up saying before, I think they may have found it difficult. Do you have a girls team? Say, no, sorry, we don't. And I think, you know, that's changing everywhere. Kickoff in Sheffield tonight is at eight o'clock. Staying with football and the Gillingham boss says we can expect a strong team to play in their final pre-season fixture later. They take on Southern Counties Eastside Bearstead after beating Southend 1-0 at the weekend. Kickoff's also at eight and the Jules League Two campaign starts with a trip to AFC Wimbledon on Saturday. In cricket, Kent Sam Billings has tested positive for COVID. It means he's going to be replaced by Ollie Robinson for the rest of their county championship match against Lancashire. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can read about the Maidstone entrepreneur who's been telling us more about how he came up with the business plan for must-have ideas. Rob Knight initially started selling household products online after spending time in America. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.